You and I live in a world that is so busy, it's almost impossible to get anybody's attention. And today, on The Voice of Prophecy, we're going to explore where God might be trying to cut through all that noise to speak to you. I think you're going to want to hear this, so stick around. A little while ago, I landed at the airport, and I went to go get my car, and I noticed on my way out of the garage that my car was making this weird noise, kind of a flapping noise, like a seagull flapping its wings. And that's because somebody had shoved a book of coupons under my windshield wiper. And honestly, I don't know if there's any form of advertising more irritating than shoving stuff under your windshield wiper. I guess there's telemarketing, but it's kind of a toss-up. And I think telemarketing's not as bad because at least I can hang up on you. But those flyers under the windshield wiper? I mean, you got to stop your car to go and get the thing, and then you have to find a trash can to throw it out. And I'll tell you this much. I mean, if you're into that kind of advertising, I'll tell you this much. If there's one thing I will not do, I'm not going to read it. If it's under my windshield wiper, I'm not going to read it at least any longer than it takes to figure out who made the flyer so I can quit shopping there for all time. That's how much I despise that practice. In fact, I'm starting to kind of despise the whole advertising industry at times. I mean, it seems like you can't go more than a few days without somebody throwing a whole bunch of junk on your driveway in a little plastic bag or littering up your front porch. The mailbox gets so stuffed full of catalogs and flyers that, for the most part, you just put right into the recycling bin right in the post office. You can't even get on an airplane without the flight attendants giving you a sales pitch from the front. I mean, you get 30 seconds of advertising for a 30-second YouTube video. I mean, some of the more irritating websites, I don't know if you've seen these, you can't open the website without it auto-playing some kind of video ad the very second you get there. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's bothering you. I I don't know if there's ever been a time when we have been as oversaturated with advertising. And of course, that is the price of a free market economy. I, I understand that. So I really have no right to complain because the free market economy is what gave us this high standard of living in the first place. And I, I know that everybody out there has to hustle to make a living. They have to compete to get attention. And at a base level, I've got no problem with that. I understand people are just trying to make a living. But on a personal level, I'm finding there's too much noise. There's too much clutter. It seems like we never get a break from everybody just trying to sell you something all the time. Everything out there gets branded. Everything out there is designed to steal your attention. It's like the whole world has become this exhibit hall at a trade show. The whole world, your neighborhood, it's an exhibit hall at a trade show. And I don't know about you, but I can only stand a trade show for about an hour and a half, and then I have to get out of there. You and I are living in the noisiest, busiest, most cluttered period of human history. And it's actually changing who I am. I'm not sure I like it, but it's changing who I am. I mean, I used to feel rude if I ignored somebody. But that's changing now. If you're trying to sell me something, I'm probably going to walk right past you like you don't exist. It's just easier not to make eye contact. 
I mean, I used to try and find a polite way to end a phone call with a telemarketer, but now I just hang up. I'm not proud of it, but I do. I hang up the moment I realize they're trying to sell me something. This world we're living in is changing how we behave. And I don't think it's just me. I'm guessing you're tired of it, too. If you don't program yourself to shut out all the noise, you just don't get anything done, and you don't have much of a life. Now, let me ask you this. With all that noise, with all those competing voices out there, what if one of the voices is actually God? Is it possible when you train yourself to shut out all the noise that you might also train yourself to stop hearing the voice of the Almighty? And one of my favorite Bible characters is the prophet Elijah, because not only did he have this brilliant career serving God, but he was also remarkably human. And I guess one of the stories I can really identify with, I mean, at least sometimes, is this disappointed, exhausted Elijah that you find right after the big contest on Mount Carmel. And that contest took place, if you remember, because the king of Israel, a guy by the name of Ahab, married a Canaanite princess named Jezebel. It was a forbidden marriage between paganism and the pure religion of the God of Israel. And that marriage had disastrous consequences. And that's no surprise, because a mixed marriage almost never pulls the unbelieving spouse upwards. It almost always compromises the faith of the believer. And in the case of Israel, that is exactly what happened. Bringing Jezebel into the palace eventually led to Baal worship all over the country. It brought the whole nation to a point where they started to actually justify pagan worship practices right in the religion of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and the people in Israel who wanted to stay faithful to God found themselves isolated, marginalized, living in a hostile environment. And it was in that context that Elijah fearlessly challenged the priests of Baal on top of Mount Carmel. There was a price on his head because he predicted a famine for Israel and he had to go into hiding for three and a half years as the nation suffered. And at the end of the drought, Elijah comes back out of hiding and he challenges false religion to a public contest and he wins. In fact, he wins so dramatically that it actually costs the priests of Baal their lives. They're put to death. So you would think Elijah would come home energized, ready to take on another challenge. But that's not real life. Just like you might after a highly charged situation, Elijah got tired. He actually slipped into depression. He disappeared into the hills and he wished he could die. And and that's when Elijah hears the voice of God. And this is a story you do not want to miss because this might have something to say about where you could hear the voice of God. So don't go away. I'm going to take a short little break, and I'll be right back with more of that story. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. 
And welcome back to the Voice of Prophecy. I am Sean Boonstra. I am your host for the next few minutes. And today I am talking about noise, clutter. Because as far as I'm concerned, we've got way too much of it. There's too much advertising. Too many people trying to get your attention. Too many electronic noisemakers. There's just too much noise. And before the break, I was talking about the prophet Elijah. And I was about to visit him on Mount Horeb, where he went after his big showdown with the priests of Baal. Elijah is so exhausted, he is so discouraged, that he actually wishes he could die. Now, let's read the story. It's in 1 Kings 19 and verse 9. It says, And there he, it's talking about Elijah, of course, And there he went into a cave, and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. You know, as I'm reading this, I I marvel a little bit. It's not like God didn't know where Elijah was. It's not like he didn't know what Elijah was doing, but still he asks the question, What are you doing here? I didn't send you to this mountain. Who told you to come out here? Now, now it's at this point in the story that we can begin to see that Elijah's just like us. When he's tired, he's quick to give up on God. When he's discouraged, he just abandons hope. He's quick to make his own plans when he realizes that the life God gave him isn't comfortable anymore. And you and I do exactly the same thing. We open a Bible, we see what God has in mind for our lives, and when we realize that following God means sacrifice, when we begin to realize that living a godly life can be hard, we go ahead and we make other plans. We go our own direction. We show up in places that God didn't ask us to go. What do you mean, God? What am I doing out here? Haven't you heard? There's a price on my head. I'm the only one in Israel who's been faithful. I'm the only one who has to live like this in a cave on the run. And I'm tired and I'm scared and I can't handle it anymore. So, of course, I'm here in the cave. He's a lot like us. And what happens next is a lot like us, too. God now teaches Elijah how to listen. And the way God does that is one of the keys to helping us hear God in our lives. This is 1 Kings 19, verse 11. Then he, it's God, then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. As you're well aware, here in the 21st century, it takes a lot to get somebody's attention. Why? Well, because we live immersed in noise. We're used to having our curiosity piqued by loud things, lights, displays. That's what it takes to get an audience now. You've got to be bigger than the rest, louder than the rest, flashier. And sometimes it seems like people who want God to make himself known in their lives expect him to do it the same way. They want God to play on the same field as the advertising industry. We demand something spectacular. We want God to outperform everybody else. And obviously, God could do that. But you and I don't get to dictate the terms. 
When God showed himself to Elijah, he did it with a still, small voice. And he also showed Elijah where he was not. He wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in all the places where Cecil B. DeMille or other movie makers would put God. Now, a couple of months earlier, God made fire fall from heaven. But on this day, he's a still, small voice. You know, sometimes it seems like you and I have commercialized Christianity to make it more attractive to the masses. We run a church the same way we run a corporation. It's all about attracting attention. It's all about the pop and sizzle. And the average North American worship service is starting to look more and more like an all-American pep rally. We bring in the best singers to set the mood. We bring in the best motivational speakers so people leave church feeling good about life. And we have lights and we have amplifiers and we're very good at generating buzz. And I guess in some ways there's, there's nothing wrong with having people notice your church. I mean, after all, we want them to come. But every so often, I really think we need to sit down and reread this story from the life of Elijah. Because it's not the chatter that makes the difference. It's the actual presence of God. Look, if, if Pop and Sizzle could win the day with God's church and, and, and win the day with the work God has given us to do, then you've got to wonder why all those pagans still wanted to kill Elijah after they saw fire come down from heaven. I mean, if a big display, if Pop and Sizzle is enough, why do they still want to kill him? They're unconverted. I mean, if you could win the day with sensationalism, with lots of bang and flash, then... You've got to wonder why raising the dead didn't win the enemies of Jesus over to his side. I mean, just think about what Jesus said in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Jesus said, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. If doing God's work was just a matter of attracting attention, then I've got to wonder why in the book of Revelation all the big miracles, all the flashy stuff is happening on the devil's side. I mean, go and read it. In the final moments of this earth's history, it's the devil who makes fire come down from heaven. It's the devil performing signs and wonders and sending out spirits of demons into the world. It's the devil who raises an image to the beast and attracts the attention of the world when the beast's deadly wound is healed. If you go and read Revelation, it becomes obvious that a relationship with God is about more than just the sizzle. It's about more than just the miraculous. Remember, in the story of Elijah, God was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. God was in the still, small voice, which says something about where we can expect to find him today. So many people clamor for the big, the bold, the, the spectacular. If you can't fill a whole stadium full of people, folks will say you're not anointed by God. If you don't have a major TV network with millions of viewers, if you don't have a brand new worship center that holds tens of thousands of people, if you don't have a charismatic speaker who can hold an audience spellbound, well, well, I think you get the point. The world doesn't think much of you if you can't do all that. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that God does not use big, impressive platforms. He does. I have no question that people find God in all those places. But in a world saturated with sound, in a world where millions of voices are trying to get your attention, the story of Elijah might provide a very important lesson. I mean, if, if you've ever been tired, if you've ever wondered why you don't hear from God anymore, 
If you've ever wondered where he is, then maybe it's time to just go to a cave and be quiet. Maybe it's time to turn everything off. Maybe you've been expecting God to show up in places where you want him to be. Maybe you've been demanding that God works on your terms in the context of consumerism, as if God is a merchant and you're a customer. Maybe you treat God like he's one more cable network, one more app on your Roku. It's God on demand. But what a a real thinking, feeling God wants is an actual relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but if my kids wanted a relationship that was always on their terms, if they tried to squeeze me into the noise of their lives, if all they wanted was a, a dad app on their phone, I don't think I'd be happy with that. So I'll tell you right now, I don't try to compete with my kids' music or their iPod apps or their social media. I don't even play on that field. When it's daddy-daughter time, we get rid of the noise. We turn it all off, and we communicate on an entirely different level, and it's far more profound. Maybe you remember a story where the leaders in Jesus' day demanded a miracle. It's in Matthew chapter 12, and the Pharisees say, Teacher, we want to see a sign. What they were actually doing was challenging Jesus' authority, questioning his status as Messiah. They weren't really trying to connect with him. I mean, what they were trying to do was discredit him. But still, they happened to be speaking for millions of us. God, if you're real, I need a sign. Matthew 12, 39, Jesus answered and said, An evil, now listen carefully to this, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, what in the world is that? What is the sign of Jonah? Well, Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, and then he came back to preach to the city of Nineveh. And, of course, as you know, Nineveh repented and all the people were saved. But what was the sign of Jonah? Well, when he showed up in Nineveh, this story of a man who survived in the belly of a fish must have been very intriguing to the locals. I mean, there's the miraculous part of the story. But you'll notice it was actually the preaching of God's word that got their attention. And that's what Jesus says, Matthew 12, verse 40. He says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So there's the miraculous part of it. Now, verse 41. The men of Nineveh, Jesus says, will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Why? Here's what Jesus says. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Now, the Pharisees were pushing Jesus for a miracle. They demanded it. But Jesus refused. He said, the preaching of Jonah was enough for the people of Nineveh, he says. But why isn't that enough for you? You have the prophets. You have the scriptures. You have everything you need to hear my voice. But somehow you are missing the whole point. I guess it all boils down to this. If you will not respond to the quiet voice of God, to the prompting of His Spirit, if you won't respond to the plain words of Scripture, then you're not going to respond to a miracle. I guess it all boils down to this. If you don't respond to the quiet voice of God, the prompting of His Spirit, if you don't respond to the plain words of Scripture, then you're not going to respond to the big splashy stuff either. You don't respond to the miracles and the spectacular. You know, I can't help but remember that after 9-11, church attendance suddenly shot through the roof. Everybody's pouring into church. It's suddenly important to find God. But it only lasted like five weeks. And then people quit coming again. 
It seems like the, the big splashy events really do very little to make us think about eternal realities. And yet somehow, that's the place we expect God to show up. We want Him to show up in the noise. We really want God to be a product. We want Him to relate to us on the same terms as corporations or sports teams. But most of the time, I can tell you that's not where God is. Now, I have to take a little break, and I want you to listen carefully to what we're about to offer, because it might actually help you find the voice of God in your own life. But then I'll come right back with a few more thoughts, and I think you're going to want to hear them. Don't go away. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Like, where is God when people suffer? Or can I find real happiness? And is there any hope for our chaotic world? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's biggest questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. You can choose to study in the format that's most convenient for you. You may either do the lessons completely online or have them mailed right to your home. Both options are completely free of charge. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And welcome back to another edition of The Voice of Prophecy. You know, Psalm 46 is sometimes known as Luther's psalm, as in Martin Luther, because it was the inspiration for that well-known hymn he wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Listen to this. This is Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. This psalm was written as a reminder. When the world is noisy, when the world comes apart at the seams, God's people always have a safe place. And down near the very end of this psalm, there's this statement that preachers sometimes use to encourage us to have a quiet devotional life. Be still and know that I am God. Now, the context, honestly, isn't really talking about silence so much as it's talking about stability. The world is a noisy, busy place. People are always going to be doing things and making trouble, and kingdoms are going to rise and fall, and governments will wage war and change laws, and politicians will jockey for position, and the world becomes very, very unsettling. And the temptation for us is to join in and protect what's ours, take care of our turf. We want to know that we're safe. We want to guarantee security. But what God is saying in Psalm 46 is that you don't have to worry. You have a safe, stable place in the kingdom of God. This earth might be shaken. It might fall apart. But the city of God will not be moved. Because that's where God is. When the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God, the literal wording he uses in Hebrew is, Let it be. Leave it alone. Let God be in charge. You know, some scholars have even translated this passage, Hush! Cease your tumult. Realize, I am God. Psalm 46 isn't really about quiet meditation. It's more about resting in God's ability to take care of things. And the principle does still apply. We expect God to join in our struggle. We want God to show up in our plans. We want Him to make His presence known on our terms. 
But that's backwards thinking, because what you're doing is asking God to squeeze himself into your agenda, when it should be the other way around. The whole point of God's intervention in our world is to restore us to his world, to have us adopt his agenda, to have us come back in harmony with him. I mean, absolutely, God did step down and humble himself to be here with us. But in the end, this isn't really about humbling God. It's about taking us out of the mire of sin. It's about elevating us. God's plan for the universe, his plan is stable, unchangeable. And you can bank on the fact that God is going to do what he's planned to do. It's guaranteed. And you and I, instead of asking where God is when we make our plans... We should be asking where God wants us to show up in His plans. Instead of demanding that God prove Himself to us, instead of demanding that He shout above all the noise of the world that we've created here, we should be asking God where He is and where He'd like us to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting more and more frustrated with all the noise, all the clutter in this world. And maybe it's because I'm just getting older and crankier. I mean, that's a definite possibility. But I think there's more to it. I'm coming to the point where I'm shutting more and more of the noise out of my life. And as I do that, I'm making this remarkable discovery. If I schedule time with God, if I go and meet Him where He says He is, if I go and show up for God's appointments, if I, if I make a point of reading my Bible... Not to see how God can benefit me. Not not so that I can demand a fire or an earthquake in my life. Not to see if there's some information I can use to make this ministry grow or to advance my career. But if I just show up and read the Bible to just listen for that still, small voice, here's what I've discovered. If you show up and listen, God is always there and He talks. I promise, it's true. The key is... You've got to figure out where God is and go to Him. Look, you might be tired. You might be disillusioned. You might be disappointed with how your life has turned out. You might be way too busy. You might find yourself in a cave on Mount Horeb wondering how you're going to make it, how you're going to face tomorrow. Maybe you're wondering why God let you down and why He never seems to show up when you need Him. Maybe it's time to meet God on His terms and just listen. Maybe it's time to open a Bible and do nothing but let God speak. Instead of coming to the table with a wish list, a list of demands, a desire to see God do what you want Him to do, maybe it's time to just come and listen to Him speak. Now, this is so important to us that we want to help you with it. We're going to give you an opportunity today to sign up for the Discover Bible course. And I want you to have this course for free. Now, it isn't free. It costs us a lot to produce it, to send it to you. But it is so important to us that you have an opportunity to hear the voice of God in your life, that that you have an opportunity to deepen your relationship with Him, that we want you to just have it. You just have to ask. This is a course that will take you through all the major themes of the Bible. It will show you the big picture. And you can do this in the comfort of your home. This is a great opportunity to build an understanding of who God is and how you could better relate to Him. So you're going to want to grab a pen and paper because I'm about to give you all the information you need. It's time, don't you think, to turn off some of the noise, 
to refuse to let the world run your schedule for you, and to sit down and listen to God and find out what He has in mind. Get your pen and paper. You're not going to want to miss this opportunity. Now, that's all the time I've got for this week. It's remarkable to me how fast a half hour flies by. So for this week, that's it. And we will meet here again next time, same place, same station. And I want to thank you for listening. My name, Sean Boonstra. You have been listening to The Voice of Prophecy. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if your life has lost its meaning? Just moving from one task to another without any answers to the really important questions in life? Like, is it possible to have a fresh start and to find real happiness? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for to this and to all of life's big questions. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. You can choose to study in the format that's most convenient for you. You may either do the lessons completely online or have them mailed right to your home. Both options are completely free of charge. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.